tonight, Ephesians chapter 3. Something happened here. Verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I'll ask you to stand with us tonight. And the word says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, somebody else say amen there, according to the power that worketh in us. Thank God we've got that same power living inside of us tonight. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you once more tonight. God, I thank you for everything that's been done. God, I thank you for everything that's been said. I thank you for the gospel in which we've heard uh, through uh, your servant, Jace, tonight. God, I pray that you bless him. I pray that you lift him up. God, I pray that you'd use him. God, I pray that you'd anoint him, Father. And I pray, God, tonight that you'd anoint me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me tonight, God, that I may uh, uh, equip the hearers, God, that they might do the service of the Lord. And, God, that we might see more laborers come uh, into the body of Christ. God, we love you tonight. We thank you for all you do. I ask, God, that you'd fill me with the Spirit tonight, God, that I may put myself to the side for a few moments. And, Father, I'll be forever grateful. God, for I cannot do this without you. And, Father, I'll surrender it all unto you, Lord, that you might get glory tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Tonight I want us to look in verse 14 again. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's kind of an interesting verse in uh, chapter 3. We see uh, in verse number 1, he said, For this cause I, Paul, do you notice any similarities there? For this cause, I, Paul, now in verse 14, he said, For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I was studying this and, and uh, reading commentaries and books and, and trying to understand uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, what the Apostle Paul's original intent was, was to pray for the church at Ephesus, to pray that they would have the knowledge of Christ that passes all knowledge that they might be filled with the fullness of God as it says in verse 19. But because the Jews were still at odds with the Gentiles, they could not understand how the Gentiles would receive and be uh, co-heirs or joint heirs with Christ and partake in the heavenly promises. Paul had to address this issue so that he could get them all on the same page. So in verse 1, he said, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Now last week, I covered the first 12 verses of chapter 3 and how that he went in and talked about uh, how that uh, God reveals himself in a person, which is Jesus Christ. And Jesus both expresses and embodies God's deepest nature. And Gentiles are partakers of the promise 
in Him. Salvation has came not to the Jew only, but also to the Gentiles. Amen? Also to the Greek, also to the Chinese, also uh, to the Canadians, to the Mexicans, to Americans. Praise God. Notice in verse 6, he says, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. That is the sole purpose that we are in, the body of Christ, is for the furtherance of the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And as fellow heirs and joint heirs of the promise and partakers of the promise of Christ, that is our obligation. It is not our obligation to uh, uh, be even a preacher or to be a teacher. But God has called us to do these things in order to further the gospel. He's called song leaders to further the gospel through song ministry. He has called preachers to further the gospel through preaching the word of God. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And how shall they hear unless they have a preacher? And how shall they preach unless he be sent? Amen. And so the only way that we can preach the gospel is by the Holy Spirit of God in Christ alone. It's only by him. That is why uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, he stopped in uh, uh, verse 6, that we be partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. So as we are the body of Christ, uh, Jews and Gentiles alike, if we have been blood-bought by the blood of Christ, uh, the Lord has put a message on my heart for next week. I don't know if it will be preached Saturday or Sunday or when it, it might be a month from now. But the Lord put a thought on my heart this morning. It's still the blood. It's still the blood tonight. It's still the blood that forgives sins. It's still the blood that reaches down to the pits of hell and uh, drags a sinner out. Amen. It's still the blood uh, that sets us free. It's still the blood tonight. Uh, and, and so it's by the blood that we are all made one in Him. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. It's all by Him. It's nothing that we could do to earn it. Nothing we could do to pray for it. Nothing that we could to sing for it. Nothing we could to even preach for it. All we had to do was to confess that He is Lord and that He is the Savior uh, of the world. That He is that Lamb, that sacrifice uh, that John said, Behold the Lamb which taketh away the sins of the whole world. That's Christ, amen. Uh, And and we're studying in 1 John uh, on Wednesday nights that uh, there was a spirit of Gnosticism uh, that said that the Spirit of Christ uh, descended upon the, the man, Jesus, uh, when he was baptized in the River Jordan, and the same Spirit that uh, descended upon him left him at Calvary. But bless God, that is not what our Bible says. The Spirit that uh, conceived in Mary's womb, that man, he was a 100% man, but bless God, when he was laid in a manger, he was 100% God. Amen? I believe as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, he was 100% God. If you don't believe that... Friend, you need to get an altar. You need to get right with God because, listen, you can't believe the gospel unless you believe that. You can't believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose the third day unless you believe He's 100% God. He was 100% man and 100% God. I didn't mean to get here. I didn't preach this morning, though, so I'm just hitting it all. Y'all get a double portion. But tonight we see that Paul, he is going back to the prayer. He started with the prayer in verse number 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, 
for you Gentiles. He is saying a prayer. He is starting a prayer for the church at Ephesus. And now in verse 14, he picks back up uh, in his prayer after he has explained what has happened with the Gentiles and the Jews. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Did you know uh, that many, many years ago that the word that we have for dads, uh, the other, the more respectful term uh, of father, it came from our Heavenly Father. Uh, I was studying that this week. I found that to be interesting that uh, the English language, we adapted to that word father for uh, parents uh, by uh, the, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the father of all. Amen. He is the creator. Um, I didn't know this, but Brother Joe, he can tell you more about the creation than I probably can. Uh, he's been studying it for some time, and I'm excited to learn more about it. Um, but he, uh, uh, this is where, listen, that word father, it's been from the beginning of time. Amen. Because God is the father of all. God is three in one. Our sign says it. Uh, God is three in one, one in three. And bless God, the one in the middle, he died for me. Verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now he's not telling us that he's going to give us strength as Hercules uh, or some of these other uh, well-known bodybuilders and uh, heavy lifters that that uh, uh, compete in the world's strongest man competitions. He's not talking about that kind of strength, but I truly believe tonight that he is talking about giving us the strength to resist sin, uh, the strength to live a godly life, strength to be the body of Christ, to do that which is pleasing in the eyes of God. He has given us the strength in the inner man to say no to sin and to say yes to God and say, I'll pick up my cross. I'll have the strength to bear my cross no matter how heavy the cross will get, no matter how hot the flames will get, no matter how strong the winds may blow, I will still be a soldier in the Lord's army. I believe that's what he's talking about. He's saying you're going to have to be strong in the Lord. Amen. In uh, 1 Timothy, I believe it is. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen, friend. In the world that we live in today, you better be strong in the Lord. Because the winds of materialism and universalism and all these other prosperity gospels out there, they're blowing and they're raging, but bless God, there's only one God that will stand when everything else will fall. And that is the true, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he, the Apostle Paul is saying that we might be strengthened with His might by His Spirit in our inner man. I want us to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version tonight. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make not, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make, 
That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where should be the sense of smell? But as it is, uh, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and are uh, on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers, all suffer together. Notice that. If one member suffer, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second uh, prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, uh, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Now what he's talking about there uh, in the, uh, a more excellent way, if you'll flip over from 1 Corinthians 12, the very next chapter is the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13. It tells us, and if you want me to read it, I'll go to it. First Corinthians uh, uh, 13, known as the love chapter tonight. Notice what it says in, very, in the very first verse. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of an angel uh, and angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I get my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Listen, I didn't know I was getting into this. God just led me here. Some of you ain't read your Bibles in a week, so here you go. Rejoiceth not in the iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fall, or they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity or love. The greatest of these is love. Now I want us to look at something in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 3. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Faith, hope, charity. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, 
being rooted and grounded in love. He didn't say in preaching. He didn't say in speaking of tongues. He didn't say in interpretation or prophecy or anything like that. He said to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, let me try to bring it into perspective as the body of Christ. Who is the head of the body? Jesus Christ, amen? Christ is the head of the body. So everything that we do in our members and in our churches and in ministry, it all flows through Him. Or at least it should. Because if it don't, you're not a part of the body of Christ and you're just a hireling. Anyway, everything must flow through Christ. Everything that we do, it must come from Christ, amen? Everything that we speak, everywhere that we walk, everything that we sing or touch, uh, and how we dress, it all must come from Jesus Christ. Amen. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he is telling us how important it is to be a part of the body. It doesn't matter if you're one of the uh, uh, not presentable parts or if you are a presentable part. We all have an obligation in the body of Jesus Christ. You are all important. From the, from the nine-year-old little boy all the way up to the 90-year-old uh, man or woman. Uh, bless God, they're all needed in the body of Christ. We are all still needed uh, to do the full work of the gospel. And so here I find uh, in uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we see here the Apostle Paul, he is explaining to the people of Corinth that regardless of their occupations or degree of social statuses, such as blue collar or white collar, or some people might not even have a collar, that we are all important and need each other to work together to do the great commission of sharing the gospel of Christ with unbelievers. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter if you make $100,000 a year, if you only make $30,000 a year. Bless God, Jesus Christ wants to use you if you will surrender your life unto Him. If you will surrender to the work of the gospel, and if you will surrender to the calling of God, He will use you. Not to puff you up, not to exalt you, not to give you glory, but that glory may come from you unto Him. I'm not here to glorify myself. I'm not here to puff myself up or to lift myself up above any one of you in the pew tonight. I'm here to bring glory to the one who called me. That's all I'm trying to do tonight. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, and I'm going to read, uh, let's see, I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 16. It says, I pray that He may grant you, this is in the Christian Standard Bible, I pray that He might grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is the obligation of the body. Now, back to love. What I'm trying to say tonight, every part of our human body, everything that we do, our brain sends uh, neurological signals to every part of our body that it may function the way that God has designed this body to function. Now, in speaking that, love, 
He said that you be rooted and grounded in love. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he said that if I do all these things, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If you have not love, then what you're doing is in vain. If you have not faith, the Bible says faith without works is dead being alone. Friend, there must be faith, hope, and charity in the body of Christ. But notice what he said in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 13. He said, the greatest of these is love. Why? Because I believe. Now, you can study it for yourself and you can disagree with me. If you disagree with me, let's talk about it. Maybe I'll be on your side. I don't know. But I believe that love is the neurological signals that flow from Christ through the body that delivers what we are to do in the work of the gospel. It's all to be done in love. Now we have a messenger from God, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen? He is the messenger. He relays what we are to do. He gives us the commands of God. And we are to act how the Holy Spirit delivers them. But notice how the Holy Spirit delivers them. Most always, He'll deliver them in love until you start rebelling. Because then when you start rebelling, still in love, He will chastise you. Watching a documentary today, and they said that a God who does not punish disobedience is really an unloving God. Because as a father or mother disciplines their child out of love, so God must also discipline His out of love. Because He is holy, because He is righteous, because He is just, He cannot turn a, a, a blind eye or a, a, He cannot just put His hand over sin and not look upon it. He must deal with it accordingly and correct it. Amen? So tonight, everything I believe... And like I say, you can disagree with me. Like an old preacher said, you've got the right to be wrong. Many people do. Anyway, I truly believe tonight that Paul, he is relaying the same message to the church at Ephesus that he did way back at the church at Corinth. He said, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. What's he saying? He's saying that everything that comes out of this church must be done in love. You must be rooted in love. Your thoughts, the way that you talk to people, even shaking hands or hugging necks or kissing babies or if you're campaigning or if you're at a job that you hate but you're still working, if you're an assembly worker and you just hate that job, you are to do that job in love that those around you might see the love of God through you. Why? Because you are a part of the body of Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. And everything that you do must be done in the love of Christ. That does not mean that you must love sin. That does not mean that you must uh, turn a, a blind eye to sin. No. But it does mean that you are to judge in love. See, a lot of people, they want to judge. And when you judge, uh, be careful in what spirit that you judge. Because the Bible says in what measure you meet or uh, how you judge somebody else, that's the same measure you're going to be judged by. I believe I'd rather be judged in love, wouldn't you? God is going to judge us in love on Judgment Day. I believe that with all my heart. But because He loves us so much, He will not spare His wrath. Don't misunderstand me tonight. I believe that the full wrath of God will come on the Day of Judgment. Hell 
is the example of God's fully divine wrath. Why did He create hell? He created hell for devil and his angels, but He also created hell because He loved people so much that He sent His only begotten Son that if they turned away from the sacrifice that He gave, then hell would be their home because He made a way. He made a way to escape that awful place. And it's through Jesus Christ. Well, back to my point tonight. Everything that we are to do must be rooted and grounded in love. That uh, we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Can anybody tonight stand and tell me how great God's love is? Can anybody describe God's love? Because, listen, for years I've wanted to preach on this, on, on the uh, how measureless God's love is. But I've never been able to understand that particular verse. Who can? He said that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. I can tell you this much that I do understand. God's love is eternal. It is unconditional. It is not by what we do or what we don't do uh, the reason that God loves us. He loves us regardless. Amen? Paul went on to say, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. There it is again. He's saying, listen, I want you to try to strive to understand the unsearchable riches of God. But he said, you're not going to because it passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants the body of Christ to be full of Him, to be full of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, Dr. Wearsby said that Paul knew that if the inner man is what it ought to be, the outer man will be taken care of in due time. So we must take care of our inner man. That's why we must be strengthened. When we are quickened by Christ, we have been seated with Him in heavenly places. We then are to walk with Christ as well as stand for Him against the wiles of the devil. Warren Wearsby said that the posture that links the sitting, walking, and standing is bowing the knee. Whether we actually bow our knees is not the important thing. That we bow our hearts and wills to the Lord and ask Him what we need is the vital matter. End quote. A baby has to learn. Can't read my own handwriting tonight. A baby has to learn to hold its head up without assistance before it can start uh, uh, to learn to crawl. I mean, that's one of the very first things as a newborn baby they learn to do is they learn to hold their head up. Well, same thing with the body of Christ. We got to learn to hold Him up, right? We got to learn to hold Christ up, exalt Him. Amen. We are to glorify Him, so we are to hold Him up. It even must learn to sit up by themselves before they crawl. My daughter, she started sitting up on her own before she started crawling around the house. Now she's crawling everywhere, pulling up and, and everything like that. Why? Because she's growing. See, in the body of Christ, we must continue to grow 
we must continue to mature because that is how the love of Christ develops in our life and people are to feast off of the love of God in our lives. We are to be examples. And so tonight, uh, they must uh, start crawling before uh, they can roll over. Uh, they, uh, they must uh, sit up before they can crawl. And before you know it, they're rolling over. They're crawling. They're pulling up on things. And soon they're walking. By spending time in prayer, Christ will teach us to dig deeper so that we can experience the fullness of God. An architect once said, and I love this. I'm almost done, believe it or not. An architect once said, if you don't go deep, you can't go high. Ain't that good? Unless you dig deep, bless God, you can't go high. Well, what was the parable in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus spoke? He said, uh, uh, I better read it. I don't want to mess it up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, and says, uh, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. You know how you find a rock? You dig a little deeper. Amen. You don't just dig on top of the dirt. You don't dig on top of the sand, but you dig deep. Until you find a solid rock. And then on that solid rock, then you can put your footer. Then you can put your foundation. And then you can build up. And then that house will stand. Jesus said, And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. What are you founded upon tonight? Have you dug deep tonight? Listen, if you're ever going to understand the Word of God in a deeper sense and have a deeper walk with Christ, you must dig deep to find Christ as your solid rock. Verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You cannot, uh, if you don't go deep, you cannot go high. I, I, I want to, when, when this world, listen, I believe it's going to come a time, and I've told Miss Sue this and my mom and my dad, I believe right now what we're seeing in America and around the world, we're seeing God take the sheep from the goats. He is separating the fake church to the real church. He has taken all the pretenders, all the professors, and all those who, who thought they knew Him, and He's separating them. Because notice, when we came out of quarantine, there's some people that never darkened the door of a church again. And what we're seeing is God is preparing His remnant. God is preparing His house. God is preparing the true body of Christ. And so, tonight, may we dig deep. May we tap into the fullness of God. And may we let God call us to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Every single one of us. You may not believe me. You may not agree with me. That's okay. But you are to share the gospel with unbelievers. You are. That is the Great Commission. Read it. Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16. You can go read it. I ain't got time to tonight. I read enough scripture to you. 
verses 20 and 21 uh, is a symbol. Uh, and, and Dr. Warren Wiersbe said this, the power of Christ, like the love of Christ, is too great for human minds to grasp. But just as the love of God is, so also is His power available to us. May we walk in war in the victory which Christ has won. I'm glad tonight that He, it didn't say you, it said that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I preached not long ago, back in March, I believe it was, that we serve a limitless God. When we meet our limitations, God will go beyond our limitations and do that which needs to be done. Amen. Only He can do that. But we possess that power within us that when we meet our limitations, I'll go to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. And I will call upon His name and say, Lord, I can't do it, but I know You can. And He will. And He will. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Miss Sue, if you would, come play softly on the piano. I don't know tonight. Perhaps the Lord is speaking to you. Perhaps... The Lord is dealing with you. Maybe there's more you can do in the body of Christ. Maybe you want to be more of a laborer for Him. Maybe uh, you're being called to to be a, a deacon or to be a song uh, to sing songs, or, if, or maybe you're to play an instrument, or or I don't know what it might be. You might be led to teach a Sunday school, or or, or to uh, teach on men's breakfast and have a devotion, or or something. God can use you. I promise you, if you will surrender to Him, God wants to use you. See, a lot of people get this idea, well, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm incapable. I don't have the talent. I don't have the skills. I, I can't do this. I can't do that. But bless God, He can. He can. And if you want to be used by God, all you have to do is submit yourself to Him and say, Lord, I want to be used for Your glory. I want to be used for Your glory. And I promise you, He will use you to get glory. He will. He used Moses. He used a donkey, amen? He can use you too.